Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast, supporting health professionals to realise a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast. I'm Dr. Andrew Rochford, and I will be your host for today. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are broadcasting from and in which you are listening. I wish to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, sea and community, and I pay my respects to them and to elders past, present and emerging, and extend the respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us today. Allergies are increasing in Australia and affect approximately one in five people. People with allergies tend to access a range of different healthcare providers, including general practitioners, specialists, pharmacists and dietitians. But how is their allergy information communicated when there are multiple providers involved in their care? Today, we're going to be talking to a panel of experts about the benefits of the My Health record, particularly for patients who have a history of allergic reaction, including anaphylaxis. I have a wonderful panel of specialists joining me today uh, to introduce them, starting with Dr. Dean Tay, who is a paediatric allergist and immunologist at Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne and the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. We also have joining us Dr. Aaron Chambers, who is a community GP at Grow Life Medical. Maria Said, CEO of Allergy and Anaphylaxis Australia and co-chair of the National Allergy Strategy. And Dr. Charlotte Hespy, who is a GP working in the inner west of Sydney and is the current chair for New South Wales and the ACT for the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Thank you everyone for joining me. Um, to get things off and running, I'd like to just give everyone listening a little bit of an, an overview of a question. I know I get asked a lot and I'm sure you guys get asked a lot as well is, is what are allergies and how are they different from intolerances? Um, and I'm happy for, for Dean for you to kick things off. Yes, it can be confusing, can't it? Well, allergies and intolerances really fall into the category of a sensitivity, which is essentially the same thing happens every single time you're exposed to that particular uh, stimulus. An intolerance is not mediated through the immune system, for example, lactose intolerance, whereas that allergies are mediated through the immune system. And amongst the allergies, this is divided into three different categories. There is the IgE-mediated allergies, which is essentially immediate. It causes uh, symptoms such as swelling, difficulty breathing, gastrointestinal symptoms and cardiovascular symptoms. And this is what our skin pre-testing and blood-specific IgE testing picks up on. And these patients are at risk of having anaphylaxis. And then there's the delayed onset allergies, what we call the gut allergies or non-IgE-mediated allergies which tends to occur a few hours after you're exposed to the particular um, uh, allergen, such as uh, typically the symptoms are vomiting and diarrhea. And then we've got mixed picture, which is mixed IgE and non-IgE mediated allergies, where we tend to um, develop more eczema flare-ups uh, and also gastrointestinal symptoms. Today's focus, I think, really should be primarily on IgE mediated allergies because these are the most dangerous forms of allergies. Um, which could result in anaphylaxis and absolutely the information that we would like to upload onto my health record. I mean, it seems in Australia, and I'm constantly being asked this, that we we have high rates of allergies. Now, Maria, can you help us? Is there any truth to that? Do we have more allergies than other parts of the world? And and on top of what Dean's just let us know, are there are there other things that you see commonly that that people are allergic to? 
Allergic disease is certainly on the increase. And when we're talking about things like food allergy, uh, drug allergy, insect allergy, it's very much on the increase. Uh, years ago, you know, people thought it was a figment of our imagination, but we now have research that certainly shows that Australia has high rates of food allergy. One in 10 infants has food allergy. And we're looking at about uh, 6% of uh, children. It's, it's certainly something that, that has increased over the last 20 years. As a parent of a 30-year-old with food allergy, it was rare in the 1990s. You, had to, you struggled to find someone else with, with food allergy. It's very different to that now. We have children in every classroom, in every childcare. And, you know, the children of the 90s and early 2000s are now reaching adulthood So, or, or in adulthood. So we have an increased number of adults with, with allergic disease as well. Aaron, are you seeing more allergies in your practice? I mean, definitely. I work in two contexts and one is in a GP-led allergy clinic and certainly there's a huge demand there and lots of people needing access to go and get accurate diagnosis. But in a general setting, um, I mean, it's a daily discussion now, whereas I think at the start of my career, it wasn't nearly so common. Um, and I guess, you know, like, like the others have said, it's, it's really hard to know the, the drivers behind that at the moment. Um, but you definitely, I think, you know, kids with uh, food allergy is very commonly encountered now, particularly, you know, egg and peanut at the top of the list, I would say. Um, but then also, you know, there's a huge burden of allergic rhinitis and uh, maybe allergic asthma as well that we see. How important is it knowing the, the allergy history of a patient, Charlotte? It, it, obviously, you working in the community in the same way that, that Aaron does, uh, a lot of the time, you know, you, you guys are the engine room managing this. In emergency, from my point of view, obviously knowing somebody's allergies uh, is hugely important to the decisions we make. Um, but how important is that information um, to all healthcare professionals, do you think? Oh, well, that's a what I'd call a Dorothy Dixer question. Um, thanks for asking. Really, it's it's absolutely essential. It's as essential as having a complete understanding of the entire past medical history of anybody um, in trying to figure out what's going on, what's essential. But when it comes to allergies, it also has an interplay when, as you say, in an emergency, is it safe to give X or am I requiring to give treatment for an anaphylaxis, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So decision-making, which is quite critical, is dependent on us knowing those sort of key pieces of information. So the average person probably isn't someone who's had an anaphylaxis, but I need to know if you... COVID vaccination is a classic example where we know that if you've had an anaphylaxis to something um, previously, you are at a higher risk of having an anaphylaxis in that scenario. So we actually need you to sit around and wait for us to observe you for longer than someone who hasn't had that. And when it comes to the My Health record, can you give us some idea about how important that is when it comes to patients' allergy information? For you, Dean, how important is that to be able to have that shared information? Well, this information is absolutely vital. It's vital in two aspects. For patients with food allergy, we need to know the most severe forms of allergy. And I previously discussed the differences between allergy intolerances. If a patient has a food allergy, and this is the immediate forms of food allergy, such as to peanut allergy and egg allergy, they are at risk of having anaphylaxis. And as a healthcare professional, it is absolutely vital to know which are the dangerous allergies that a patient might be allergic to. 
The second part, which is very important, is for drug allergy. So if a patient does indeed have a life-threatening penicillin allergy, it's very important to note that down in the My Health record so that the uh, medical doctor can uh, ensure that that medication is avoided. On the other hand, if a patient has actually been delabeled as having no longer having a penicillin allergy, then it's equally as important to know that so that that medication can be given, especially in a situation where the antibiotic is absolutely required. Maria, you've got something to add? Yes, I just wanted to say, it's, uh, talk about the importance of the individual having their medical information to share with their range of healthcare providers. Having current information, including current allergy information, is really critical to the overall care of that person. And and sometimes, you know, people really struggle with, with getting, you know, one doctor to write a letter to another doctor so that we can make sure that everyone in their circle of care has the information required to make informed decisions about that person's management. And my health record does that for you because information can be added. It can be, you know, healthcare professionals and the and the consumer can make sure that the that the record is kept up to date so that optimal care is given. Aaron? So I think this is a, an opportunity where reinforcing that relationship between a GP and their patient can really help because patients are increasingly mobile uh, these days and I think they tend to see a range of different practitioners um, and they also see people between the public system, private system, general practice um, and they're also self-determined individuals who, who have their own history and, and understanding of their health and I think it's that disparate sort of uh, landscape that really means having a central repository of what are the allergies for this individual make, is even more important. And I think that's where the uh, the relationship between a patient and a long-term GP can mean that they're responsible for filling out that shared health summary in the My Health record and keeping an accurate log of what is genuinely an allergy for that individual. Charlotte? If I might, I'll give a, a case um, study for the importance of this. So one of my patients who had an uploaded My Health Record file was up on the north coast of New South Wales when they had an acute anaphylactic reaction to a medication. And that was treated in the community by a GP up there who uploaded an incident report for the patient at their request about what had happened. So then when they came home and came back to me for review, we were able to have it really easily accessible in terms of what happened, what was the medication, what was treated, and then be able to organise appropriate follow-up. So what I'd like to do now is just give people listening a really quick snapshot of the process. It'd be good to get an understanding of, of the actual process of accessing the My Health record, uh, you know, finding that, that, that patient information about, about allergies in particular, and just some of the steps that they would need to go to to make sure that that information is uploaded or, or accessed to, in a way that's simple and, and easy to improve their, their practice management. From my perspective, one of the biggest things about using My Health Record is knowing that it's there. So first, as a GP, I'm constantly encouraging my fellow GPs to access patients' My Health Record with their permission and have a look at what's up there. So in my software and in the majority of software, there's a button in your software 
software that's already accessed behind the scenes to the My Health Record. And you basically just need to click on it as long as everything in your system is working right. And then you and your and the, the person in front of you are able to view what's actually up on the My Health Record, which may be nothing um, apart from showing that you've been on there today or there may be a whole lot of documents around hospital visits, medications prescribed and shared by the pharmacist, all of the Medicare visits that they've had since the My Health Record was created. And so it can be, and now all the vaccinations from um, and immunisations from the Australian Immunisation Register. So it can be incredibly useful if it's the first time you're seeing a patient and they have had a lot of interactions with the health system, but it's also equally useful for me to be able to keep in touch with with um, patients who are interacting with, from my perspective generally, the public health system so I can actually see what tests, investigations and diagnoses have been happening. Uh, thanks, Charlotte. Aaron, did you have something to add? Yeah, so I, I agree. The first thing is awareness and, and being the principal of a, a general practice, really, I, I tend to encourage our GPs to, to think about accessing the My Health record and not just the GPs, also our nursing staff. Um, probably there are, given we've got a healthcare audience and, uh, and they're going to be interested in how to do this, I think there are a couple of common pitfalls. Um, that are worth being able to understand so that they can solve those technical issues with accessing someone's My Health record. The most common ones we see is if if a provider can't see any anyone's My Health record in their practice software system, then they've got to make sure that they've entered their, their HPII is what it is. Uh, it's called a health provider identifier individual. So that has to be entered in the software, software in order for the, your software to speak to the My Health record system. And the other piece of information is a thing called an individual health identifier. So that's a specific number that each patient in Australia has that identifies them and their My Health record. So it's important that those bits of information are entered. So one is a, a one-off task, um, and you talk to your practice manager about doing that. The other one is for each patient, you have to validate their individual health identifier. That's something your uh, practice manager can do, but usually in the demographic section, there's a, a, an ability to validate that individual health identifier. So they're the kind of nuts and bolts of getting it going. And then um, most software systems, you can see the little button that you press um, to access the My Health record, and it should be green if, um, and at least in our system it is, if, uh, if you can access that patient's My Health record. And, and the most valuable thing, I think, is if you, is just to think, if you've got a patient who has a significant allergy history or has some other significant history, you know, immunisation that's important or some past medical history that another healthcare provider needs to know in an emergency, then talk to the patient about creating a shared health summary. It's a very simple task. And you click it, it's a good chance to validate all the history you've got in your system for that patient and then click and upload it. Um, because if we don't load these shared health summaries, into the My Health record, it's an information vacuum. And I think patients really these days, they deserve to be in charge of their health information. They deserve to be able to share it with whoever they choose. Um, and it's really the best thing we can do by our patients. Dean, speaking from the experience of a specialist, do you have any tips or, or um, not trade secrets, but things that you, you find that, that make it easier for you to be able to um, really harness the My Health record? Yeah, I'd like to um, add on that um, the, Shared health summaries are extremely helpful 
um, as a uh, specialist seeing the patients in the rooms, uh, particularly uh, hearing the circumstances surrounding a, uh, a patient as to whether they truly did have anaphylaxis or not, uh, how that anaphylactic reaction was managed, whether given a single dose of adrenaline or a second dose of adrenaline. Uh, these circumstances really help us. It's very valuable information for us to decide how to manage that particular uh, patient. The other bit that is quite important is to encourage patients to upload their personal health summaries, particularly regarding to their allergies, which could be potentially dangerous and life-threatening. In particular, we want to highlight that they should upload information relating to peanut allergy, egg allergy, uh, shellfish allergy, which could potentially result in anaphylaxis, um, and with less emphasis on the need to upload other allergies, which are less likely to be life-threatening, such as house dust mite allergy or pollen allergy. The other important information to upload is if you have a penicillin allergy and that could result in anaphylactic reactions. So having a focused information on allergy, which could be life-threatening, is, um, is what we should be encouraging all patients to do. Aaron, you had something to add? Yeah, I think it's really important uh, thinking about that point about transferring information to colleagues and the nuance of a, an adverse reaction. So, you know, of in our system, we'll store lots of adverse reaction information about medicines that may be relevant beyond allergy. So, for example, you know, uh, some sort of idiosyncratic reaction that's non-allergic to a medication. I think the putting detail around what the adverse reaction was is really essential. So, you know, if it is peanut allergy and they've had anaphylaxis, putting in that extra part of the, uh, the like the details of that allergy um, will show up in their um, shared health summary. So it'll show up saying what the substance or agent is and it'll show up the manifestation of that, uh, that allergic reaction or adverse reaction. Uh, I think that's an essential part and I think Dean would really appreciate that, I suspect, Dean, is that right? 100%. And uh, often we now recommend that um, if there's any doubt, we do administer adrenaline. But sometimes uh, a patient may have extensive urticaria or angioedema without any respiratory features or cardiovascular features and adrenaline is given um, just as a precaution and that's absolutely the correct thing to do in that acute setting but it is then subsequently appreciated that that was the reason why that was given and we can then more clearly define that that patient had journalized urticaria and angioedema to, peanut, to a peanut reaction as opposed to an anaphylactic reaction that just helps us uh, provide a phenotype for that patient and uh, provides more accurate information, which better informs us how to manage the patient, both in the short term and in the long term. Maria? Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, the term allergy is used really loosely in society. So, uh, and many consumers say they have an allergy when they don't, you know, even if they don't like a particular food, they'll say that they're allergic to it. Or, you know, if they eat a bucket load of pasta and they feel bloated, they'll call that an allergy. So, I think I think for the most part, if, if health professionals can can guide consumers on the allergy information that they put on my health record, uh, that would be a good thing because, you know, my concerns are that we, we don't want to have information that is not critical in there and for people, for health professionals to become sidetracked. So, you know, if they're treating GP or they're treating allergist or, you know, has clear information and they see that something is, you know, listed as an allergy to have that conversation with the, with the patient, with the consumer to distinguish between a, a must-know or need-to-know allergy and an allergy to dust mite that causes allergic rhinitis but 
it's not a potentially life-threatening allergy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody's sort of mentioned the fact that consumers can also add this allergy information into their My Health record that, that can be viewed by the healthcare team and obviously how important that information is, but also how challenging it might be to make sure it's it's an accurate reflection of, of what's actually going on. Um, so it would be good if we can touch on now how you can help encourage patients and guide them in the right way um, so that that information that they're also adding is helpful rather than um, potentially, you know, creating other challenges. Um, Charlotte, is that something you'd be able to help us with? Absolutely. I mean, I think that Maria also touched on a really important part of the opportunity to improve health literacy around what is um, allergy. A lot of people, not just about intolerances, but adverse reactions get labelled as being an allergy when, you know, we know that getting nausea and diarrhea from amoxicillin is an adverse reaction. It's not actually an allergy. So it does enable you as a health practitioner to use it again if needed versus them actually having um, an allergic reaction. And we need to be able to have those conversations very much about what become, what is a food intolerance, food allergy, medication adverse reaction. Um, and any conversation we have as the GP and or the specialist is an opportunity to improve people's understanding of the differences because there is a huge mix, even with health professionals, can I say, about what what we actually mean when we talk about allergies. Absolutely. Uh, Dean, can you add about how important it is for obviously consumers to be involved uh, in their healthcare? And I know you've already mentioned just how important it is for them to you know, start to understand that they, they have the ability now to have more ownership over their healthcare information within their My Health record. But can you just also just add a little bit more now in, in, in your experience around how we can start getting consumers and patients to really uh, be involved in this, this digital information element of, of their care? I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, we are very lucky in Australia that we have a very engaged allergy community uh, and parents of uh, children with food allergy are very engaged with their children's health and they are often wanting to find out what are the ways that they can do to help keep their child safer. And one of the things that we can really communicate is the importance of having this information readily and easily accessible. And one of the simple ways, we've got this very powerful tool, My Health Record, which is accessible through um, out Australia for all healthcare professionals. And we should absolutely, each touch point that we have with the GP, emergency department physician, for the child's allergy specialist, we should encourage our patients to upload dangerous allergy information up onto My Health Record. That way, the important information which all healthcare professionals would like to know is there easily uh, available at hand. And this enhances communication, builds safety, and informs how we could better treat the patient going forwards. Aaron? Yeah, so I think this is a good example of where patient activation and high health literacy um, are determinants of positive health outcomes. So there's a lot of data that demonstrates that that is the case. This is a really good example of encouraging patients to take charge of their own health care. Um, and in doing so, you can actually improve their health care outcomes. So I think it's beholden on us to say, look, here's this thing. Go out and have a look at it. Um, take a look at your shared health summary that I've just uploaded into your My Health record. And then you might like to add your own information. It, it's a really good way of getting your patient to actively participate in their own health care and therefore take charge of it and, uh, and start to work on the things that are challenging them. 
Dean? I love that example that Charlotte gave previously of the patient uh, encouraging the emergency physician to upload that shared healthcare summary. I think that's a wonderful example of how patient advocacy will result in a meaningful uh, difference in being able to know exactly the details surrounding that uh, emergency presentation that is really helpful for the GP and enormously helpful for the allergist immunologist when they see them in the consulting room. So we've got more accurate data, which will lead to uh, better patient outcomes. And can I add to that that the, the I think the power is with us as patients because I know that the doctors in my practice, it doesn't matter how much I nag them to, to use it, the most powerful voice is the patient who says, can we have a look and see what's on it or can you please upload it for me, um, et cetera. And then you start to actually see engage both doctor and patient together and other health practitioners as well. Um, certainly my practice nurse um, uses it all the time and loves it but it's been through the using of it and people talking about it that is actually driving the wave. So empower our patients and then we'll start to use it even more. Some wonderful thoughts that have been shared um, by everyone. Thank you so much. Just in, in closing, is there any final thoughts that, that you each had? Just in closing, is there any final thoughts that you each have for healthcare professionals when it comes to the My Health Record analogy? I'd like to start with you, Maria. Uh, look, I think the most important thing is to, to share information so that the consumer is actively part of their health journey. I think that's really important, especially when it's uh, when it comes to allergy, because that's not some it's something that they need to manage ongoing with all their healthcare practitioners and others involved in their care, if it's a child and it's food allergy or if it's a, an adult with a drug allergy, for example, it is important that that critical information is shared. So, uh, yeah, encourage health professionals to to really take it on board and use it for, for what it's meant for. Any final thoughts from you, Dean? I love the points that Aaron and Charlotte brought up, and that was awareness. I think that when uh, both the pa when the patient, but in particular, is aware of how useful information can be about the child's allergies, particularly anaphylactic reactions, are uploaded onto my health record. Uh, and what a what exciting age we're in, where we have really practical and powerful tools, where we could have accurate uh, information shared between healthcare professionals and the patient. Aaron, yeah. So I guess. I'd like anyone listening to really think about how they can embed this in their systematised process within their practice. Um, things like going and chatting to your practice nurse, uh, like Charlotte mentioned, and and uh, actually I think it was uh, Maria uh, mentioned that they their practice nurse is super keen on using this. So could you say every time you get a patient in for a care plan, make sure you talk to them about their My Health record and upload a share health summary if they're keen to do so, or Will you put out some information to your patients talking about my health record, either on your Facebook or through an email out to patients? But really think about how we can create this conversation to get people using it, because I think that's the point we're at. We need to get people using this so that the more information that goes in, the more useful it will be for other clinicians and for patients. I'd like to add on also that um, we should have the uh, a uniform message to ensure that it's a critical um, allergy information that we really want to upload and that is in particular relating to uh, patients with life-threatening food allergies, um, peanut, tree nut, egg, um, cow milk, 
uh, shellfish and fish uh, allergy. Uh, that's the information that we want and also information relating to um, life-threatening drug allergies. Um, if we have those two focused, then we can all use my health record in a uh, uniform way, which is very helpful for both the patient and the healthcare professionals. And finally to you, Charlotte. I really encourage everyone to take on Aaron's challenge and maybe you could actually um, set a practice challenge around improving your allergy recording in the practice and use that as both an opportunity to engage with every patient interaction that you have to check that the allergies that you have are both correct and then really well documented in terms of what actually happened and how serious was the allergy in inverted commas. And finally, then uploading that to my health record. So, you know, you could set it as a month or a two month challenge to actually see how many my health records you can upload along with improving and increasing the number of allergies that are properly recorded within your electronic medical record. Yeah, it's a very good point. And I think it's also important to add here that the, the National Allergy Strategy has been working with the Australian Digital Health Agency to develop fact sheets because I'm sure people have a lot of questions that have come up uh, from listening to this today, particularly for healthcare professionals working in allergy, um, including how to upload an event summary and, and some of the other elements of, of um, the My Health Record that have been discussed today. So they can be accessed at the nationalallergystrategy.org.au website. Thank you to everyone. It's been a wonderful panel today, guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've raised lots of questions, filled in lots of gaps, but thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the My Health Record uh, as well as allergies. Uh, this podcast has been developed by the Australian Digital Health Agency in collaboration with the National Allergy Strategy. The National Allergy Strategy is a partnership between the Australasian College of Clinical Immunology and Allergy and Allergy and Anaphylaxis Australia as leading medical and patient support organisations for allergy in Australia. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>